are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Locked On Pelicans fan base. My name is Lyndon Burton, host of the Bros Who Think podcast, and I am filling in today for my guy, Jake Madison, who last I heard from Christian Clark was that he was on a sabbatical to Southeast Asia, but I recently got some sort of thing in the mail saying that he left Asia and now he's roaming through the uh, the Alps. He's, he's he's trying to climb the Alps and 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 transverse that snowy uh, uh snowy landscape. So hope you have a fun time in the Alps in the Alps, Jake. Whatever you're doing, but don't know when he's returning. Just know the sabbatical has now gone from Asia. To the Alps. So, you know, we'll keep you up to date throughout the week. But, yeah, my name is Lennon Burton. I am the host of the Bros Think Podcast. I also host a radio show at ESPN 1420. Just to give you a little bit of background about myself and what I do. And I'm an absolute huge fan of the Pelicans. But today, I have three amazing things for us to discuss. First off, we got to discuss off top the breaking news reported by Adrian Wojnarowski about Willie Green being the lead, uh, being the front runner. Because uh, I got to choose my words carefully because I don't want to misinterpret what he said, but being the front runner to become the Pelicans' choice as the next head coach. We also are going to look at who I think the Pelicans should draft if they keep the 10th pick in segment number two of the show. And then the final segment of the show, I wanted to do something a little different because I believe truly from the bottom of my heart, Jake is the best at what he does covering the Pelicans. And I feel like he said so much about this team that I don't want to either do a Jake S segment or do a segment that you would hear from any other Pelicans podcast. So what I wanted to do was something that's unique to me because I also host Hashtag Anime Talk, a podcast about anime. I want to give you... What anime character each member of the Pelicans represents and who they are similar to in the anime universe. So we're going to get to all of that and more, but let's start off with segment number one of the show, which is the breaking news. Man, so Adrian Wojnarowski reported, and I'll read the tweet verbatim, Phoenix Suns assistant Willie Green has emerged as the strong frontrunner and the New Orleans Pelicans' choice to become the franchise next head coach. That is amazing. He wants to be here. We want him here, obviously. I'm assuming the deal, If and this is just my assumption, I'm assuming if the deal gets done, it might happen after the NBA Finals, so Willie's not as much of a distraction. And Because you got to think, this is big to him. He cares about Phoenix. This is a chance at a championship. He doesn't want to be a distraction for that team. And that's great looking as a Pelicans fan because let's 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 look at it. Willie Green to me is the right choice to be coach. And I feel like in a league where it's more AAU babies and let me be honest, I'm 27 years old. I played AAU basketball. I know how it is and it's only gotten worse since I played. It's a bunch of kids and parents who run the system and the coaches have very little say, but there is something to the coaches who do connect with these players do it through a different way than the coaches of old. For example, Stan Van Gundy was a coach who demanded a lot of his players. He was a defensive-minded coach, and he barked a lot. He had a lot of—he was not afraid of yelling, whereas Willie Green, 
Willie Green demands a lot. He's a defensive coach, but the difference is how he approaches coaching. I'll read you a quote from Mikhail Bridges and what he said about Willie Green, courtesy of Will Guillory in the Athletic. You can tell he gets a little frustrated, but he's not going to really bark. He's just the kind of just the kind of tells you that you can't do that, or every time you do that, you give up position. He's really not snapping at me. So you see, they know he gets frustrated, but it's the way he approaches it and the way he handles it and the way he talks to players. And you got to think, 12 seasons in the NBA might attribute to that because he's not only is he a, a former assistant coach of the Golden State Warriors, but he played in the NBA. He knows what he liked from coaches, what he didn't like. He played with the 76ers, the Hornets, the Hawks, the Clippers, the Magic. He has experience, and if there's anyone the players will listen to, it's someone like Willie. Not only can he he get, he be a people pleaser, he knows how to manage egos. Some of the egos he's managed, Draymond Green, Chris Paul, KD. He's been around them. He played with AI. He understands how the superstar ego is and the ego of the young players and even the veteran players. Next thing I want to say, Willie's challenged Devin Booker to get better on defense. Willie was the lead defensive coach for this Phoenix Suns run. And look, I'm going to be quite frank. Devin Booker went from someone who, you know, was okay at defense to now dude is is doing everything. He's hustling. He's he's guarding some of the best players on the other team. He's taking that challenge upon himself and you have to give some of that credit to Willie. I mean, so let's look at it. You take defensive-minded coach, you take someone who knows how to manage egos, and you take someone who is a people person and someone who, who knows how to respect the player. All three things lead for the things that the Pelicans need. Now, not everything's sunshine and roses. His offensive game, I don't know how that will be. That's where I think you need to get other assistant coaches and coaches who know the offensive game, who mesh well with him, to create a system for Zion and Brandon. And to use guys like Fred Vinson and ladies like Teresa Witherspoon, keep them on the staff to help transition into Willie's time. But he's coming home, man, former New Orleans Hornet player. Who better than someone who knows the city of New Orleans? He can relate to the people. He knows what the fan base wants. And this should revitalize the, at least, it should revitalize the organization from the standpoint of, yeah, we made a mistake last year, a huge mistake of hiring Stan Van Gundy, but now we got the guy. We got the guy that believes in us, that's on the same philosophies as us, in the same accord. It should work out. But Let's not act like the issue is Willie Green needs a better roster around him. The team will do no better with Willie Green, Charles Lee, Jacques Vaughn, or Phil Jackson if they do not get a better roster around the team. Point blank, period. This offseason, I've said this on the radio before and on my podcast, and I'm going to say it here. This team needs an Atlanta Hawks-esque offseason they just need it let's not act like the Atlanta Hawks were good a year ago they weren't they go and have an incredible offseason bringing in Bogdanovich bringing in Danilo Gallinari bringing in Lou Will changing up a certain amount of things they get Capella halfway through last season but it still doesn't work they get the right coach who changes Trey Young's play style from Steph Curry S to Steve Nash S and then the team starts to flow better all the pieces start to make sense the Pelicans need an offseason like that. Let's hope Willie Green is our Nate McMillan, and then let's hope David Griffin can bring the roster around for us to make the improvements that we need to. But 
that's the end of this first segment. When we come back, we will be discussing the players I think the Pelicans should choose with the 10th pick right after this break. All right, we'll be back with more Lyndon Burton here in a minute. But before we get to that, this episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. This goes to no one other than Giannis and his performance in the NBA Finals so far. He is been standout. Everyone's kind of questioned if you could actually build a finals contending team around him. Is he too unskilled? He doesn't shoot the mid-range. He doesn't shoot the three-point shot. Can you build a team around a guy like that? And clearly you can. 41 points in Game 3. He had a heroic performance in Game 2 that was wasted because his teammates didn't step up. It shows you've got to put the right pieces around these guys. But when these guys have special performances like that, scoring at the rim on the inside, similar to Zion Williamson, you can absolutely win these games and keep this team close. And that's why you see him out there. He's happy. He's having enjoyment. Um, there's just joy across his face. As Michael Lobolter says, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And it only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And that's why Giannis is the Michael Ultra player of the week. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is also brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a specifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George and DeAndre Hopkins alongside Maria Sharapova, plus hundreds of thousands of customers and me. So try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now to get your Theragun Gen 4 today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Now in the second segment of the show, I wanted to discuss if the Pelicans keep the 10th pick, the three players I think they should choose. So we'll go through each player. I'm going to rank it one, two, and three, and then we'll go through each. I'll tell you the, the benefits of getting said player, their strengths, their weaknesses, and where I think they can fit in. So with that being said, let's start off with number one. Number one is Moses Moody to me. And I flip-flop between my first and second choice multiple times. It's just after watching so much film on Moody and, and seeing what he's capable of, talking to some people whose opinions I respect, I really think Moody is this is the guy for the Pelicans. So Moody, first off, has good size at the position. He's 6'5", 205 pounds. He isn't the most athletic guy, but his skill backs up his lack of athleticism. So last year, Moody averaged 16.8 points per game for Arkansas. He shot 42% from the field, 35% from three. Moody has an incredibly soft touch around the basket. He His mid-range game isn't bad. He can do the crossover pull up into the mid-range or coming off a screen, shooting the mid-range jumper. He plays with pace. He knows how to get to his spots. And the key thing for this Pelicans team is he moves well without the ball. He, he knows where to find if, for example, if the ball is driving 
on the right hand of the floor and he's on the same side of the ball, he knows where to float behind the ball to get to the wide open space for the jump shot. He excels at that. And he's quality from from three. So all of that offensively plus the three-point ball, he's great. He's a lengthy guard. He's super, super lengthy, which adds to his defense. He, he can improve. Uh, his defensive ability a little bit more, but when zeroes in, he moves his feet well, he gets hands on the balls for steals and deflections, and he never gives up on plays. The thing that I I would worry about when it comes to his defense is about him zeroing in because he he does have a tend to lose focus, but when he focuses in, dude can get a deflection, a steal, he can get a block, he, he, he moves well as well as he does on offense on the defensive end when he zeroes in. This is why Moody, for me, is my number one choice. He has to be. Now, the way he can fit into the Pelicans as the as either the guard alongside future point guard Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson or in a role off the bench. The guy has ability to become our true number two or three on the team, not first or second or third option, no, but in shooting guard or small forward-wise. He can play well against a next up Brandon and Zion. He is a great defender, 3 and D type of guy. The thing you need around this team, you need to not only add shooting, but you need to add defense. But speaking of shooting, that goes to my number two choice. And I know people are going to either love or hate this choice, but it's Corey Kispert. And I know some people I've seen on Twitter say, oh, you can't take a guy like Kispert that high. You should take him later. But if that's your guy that you know can impact this year and you like him and there's no one else that you like, you go and get your guy. I'm a firm believer in that. And I understand that Kispert's see he's at about his ceiling. He doesn't have too much more where I think he can get to another level, but what he adds is what the Pelicans need. He is a sneaky, sneaky athlete that does well at times on defense, isn't a defensive player that will hurt you like some people love Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson is kind of a liability on defense. Corey Kispert isn't that. Corey Kispert also was the best shooter in college basketball from the three-point line. You need that. The Pelicans are in dire, dire need of that type of player. Not only can he knock down the ball, he's been seen to do monstrous dunks. Again, sneaky athlete. Can get to the rim, can shoot off the dribble. So he does a little bit more than the catch and shoot. But for this team, you put him on the floor with Zion and B.I., tell him to sit in the corner and just be ready to catch and shoot or fill into the wing, catch and shoot, or when you get it, blow by the guy, one one dribble, pull up, knock down. That's what you need from a guy like Corey Kispert and instant, instant ability to be better for this team right away and an instant contributor to the Pelicans next season if taken. Now, let's get to my number three player. Now, my third and final pick has to be, this is this is the pick where it's if the player's available, you take the chance on him because the upside outweighs the roster construction. And when I say that, I mean I'm taking a guard, but you don't know what you're going to do with Lonzo Ball. Is Nikhil Alexander-Walker a one or a two? Is Kyra going to play? There's a lot of questions around this, so you just go with the guy who I think can have instant impact, has higher-tier talent-wise in the sense that 
all-star potential. Not, not saying that he is one right out of the gate. He has a lot of work to do, but the ceiling is at about an all-star level if he reaches it. And that player is Davion Mitchell out of Baylor. He was a combo guard, super sensational for the Baylor Bears. Mitchell is about 6'2", 205 pounds, strong, explosive. He isn't ta- that tall of a guard, but his toughness is there. The grit, the grind of him is there. He's a playmaker. He can score at all three levels of the game, from the three-point to the inside to the mid-range. He averaged 14 points last year, shot 51% from the field, 44% from three, averaged five assists and about two rebounds and one steal and about two turnovers per game. His free throw needs drastic improvement. He shot 64% from the free throw, but what he can do off the bounce makes him special, makes him next-level potential. The fact that he can get to the rim at ease, score from mid-range, score from three, just shows the talent of Mitchell. Now, his defense has to get a little bit better, but the fact is he's a tough guard that doesn't give up on the play, so there's there's something to work with there because defense is about effort at the end of the day. You can teach the X's and O's, and the effort is there with a guy like Davion Mitchell, and I truly believe he's someone that can be the second or third option next to Zion and Brandon Ingram. He has that potential, and I think if he's there, you got to take a shot at Davion Mitchell. The way he impacts his team is an instant guy that can score for you, someone that can either be with the first unit or be the main guy in the second unit until he's ready to ascend to that next level and be a starter. Davion Mitchell is someone that I'm super, super excited about, and that's who I think the Pelicans should take. Now, again, let me repeat my choices. Number one, Moses Moody. Yes, my guy, Moses Moody out of Arkansas. Number two, the Gonzaga's Corey Kispert, the sniper with some sneaky athleticism. And number three, the guy with the highest ceiling out of the three and the one that can be a instant, instant impact in terms of scoring and a potential future third or second option in terms of scoring the ball, Davion Mitchell. Those are the three guys I think the Pelicans should take. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to do something a little different. I don't know how many of you are anime fans. If you are, I'm excited for you. If you're not, thank you for listening so far because when we come back, we will compare the Pelicans players to their anime counterparts right after this. All right, we'll be back with Lyndon here in just a moment. But before we get to the final segment of today's show, what anime characters are Pelicans players? I'm pretty excited for this one. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models out there, it's impossible for your local chain parts store to stock anything you might need, really. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders whatever parts they have on their computer at whatever prices that they're going to offer them to you, only choosing kind of one brand or two that they just have to have in stock. You got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You don't need to deal with this because you can save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more from the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rockauto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years and their prices are always reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. 
needs. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So for this final segment, I wanted to have a little fun. They told me that the powers that be said that, uh, you know, you can do what you want with the show. You're hosting for the day. Do what you feel. So I wanted to have a little fun. People compare teams to movies, to comic books, to rappers. And I want it to be different. I want it to be something that I feel I know at my core, which is anime. And for those out there that don't know what anime is, it's teen to adult level animated um, cartoons per se. But they treat them more like adult level material with the action, with the sense of drama. And but it's made for teens and adults and it's grew in huge popularity in America. So I figured, hey, let's compare the Pelicans to their anime counterparts. And I'm gonna let you know off rip. I couldn't do everybody because like I don't know who Willie Honor Gomez is his character is. I'm gonna be quite honest. That's diving into side character, side character material. Because let's be quite frankly, some of those guys aren't MC's main character potential. But I got people, I got majority of the team, and I got the people that you guys I feel would either get a laugh at, connect with, or just quite frankly love or hate if you do. And let me know if you do. Now, first one I want to start with is the, the easiest one that I came in contact with. Eric Bledsoe. Oh, baby. He might not be on the team next year. Who knows? But his comparison was super easy for me to do. Eric Bledsoe, for those out there that know of the anime Dragon Ball Z, Eric Bledsoe is Krillin was solid in his younger years of Dragon Ball. But as he got older, would have some moments that matter, but usually fail. Like, the moments matter for a little bit, but then it's like, ah, uh, don't really work out. Eric Bledsoe was on the Bucks, And when the Eric Bledsoe left, the Bucks go to the NBA Finals. Kind of like when Krillin died in Dragon Ball Z for Goku to go Super Saiyan. You just see it. And then with the Pelicans, because let's be honest, Krillin had his moments in the Frieza saga, which is where... Krillin died for Goku to go Super Saiyan, just like Eric Bledsoe had some moments for the Bucks. But when Bledsoe came to the Pelicans, oh, he didn't add much. He had a lot of heartache and couldn't get it done. Kind of like when Krillin was during the Cell Saga, didn't add anything and didn't come through for his team like they needed him and couldn't kill Android 18 and save the world just by pushing a button. Eric Bledsoe couldn't get it done for us just like Krillin couldn't get it done for the Dragon Ball universe. Eric Bledsoe is Krillin. Now, our guy, the guy we love, our franchise player, Zion Williamson. I went with someone that's in a newer anime, someone that's a younger anime, and I know people are going to be like, oh, are you comparing his size? No, 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 no. I'm comparing impact on the world of their anime, impact of the team, how they are as people in real life or in their show, and kind of attack compared to player ability. So Zion to me is Tanjiro from Demon Slayer. Hear me out. Tanjiro at first was someone who wasn't really a factor in his universe. Zion pre-Spartanburg hype before Drake was wearing his jersey and before the dunks took over the sensation. Tanjiro trains under one of the best masters in his show and then starts killing demon after demon, gaining attention of all the bigger players in his universe. Zion Williamson, dunk after dunk, goes to Duke, trains under Mike Krzyzewski, and becomes a phenom. And from that point for both, Zion and Tanjiro, the hype is unlimited. They are known as the guys who are going to change franchises or save worlds. Both are well-mannered, calm individuals. Both share a sense of comedy at times, can have humorous moments. But 
When they can hit that next gear of aggression and rage, when it's time for battle, it's over. They are both monsters. Tanjiro is a guy who swipes his sword with so much power and ferocity, but yet has finesse. Just like Zion attacks the rim with so much power and ferocity, uh, power and ferocity, but has some finesse around the rim with his layup ability. And, quite frankly, to make some people laugh, both love their families very much. If you know Demon Slayer, you'll get that. Now, let's jump to our guy, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, to me, is Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. Both have checkered past. Brandon with the Lakers. Spike with the Syndicate. Spike became a better person when he left, just like Brandon became a better player when he left the Lakers. Both are quiet and mysterious, but have the ultimate sense of cool. Spike is a gunman and killer in his universe. Brandon is a killer on the court. Spike has pinpoint shooting ability, and his martial arts is deadly, just like Brandon Ingram's post-up, fade-away, mid-range pull-up is deadly. They're both trying to escape their paths to carve out a better future for themselves. And if you see Spike Spiegel for one moment and you don't think Brandon Ingram when it comes to the NBA, you're tripping. Now, the next person is someone who's newer on the team, kind of a role player, but I thought, hey, since I'm not doing all the other role players, this is someone that I really wanted to do, Najee Marshall. Najee Marshall is Kirishima from My Hero Academia. Both not the best in their class or team, but both have a way of doing the little things to get all of the shine. Najee Marshall did everything right and gained him a contract. Karishima worked super hard, did everything right, and ended up taking down a villain. They are both solid, solid guys. Najee Marshall is solid, just like Karishima's power is to become a hardened rock man. I feel like both translate to each other, and Najee Marshall is Karishima. Now, the next one I got is Steven Adams. Steven Adams is Chad from Bleach. Both have moments of dominance and brilliance, but quite frankly, Chad did not live up to expectations quite like Steven Adams did not live up to expectations for the Pelicans. Both have weaknesses in their abilities. Steven Adams is very limited outside of the paint offensively and defensively has a hard time switching on to perimeter players, just like Chad doesn't have the soul reaper powers that other people in Bleach do. He has kind of this full bringer power that, yeah, it can beat some people, but isn't effective against most. And that's why, to me, Steven Adams is Chad. And not to mention, long, both have long hair. Both are super chill people, but when talk says something either funny or impactful. Steven Adams, Chad from Bleach. Now, this is one I love. Now, Lonzo Ball. Sanji from One Piece. Sanji is one of the most polarizing characters in One Piece, just like Lonzo is one of the most polarizing fan, polarizing members of the Pelicans. Sanji has a family issue, and well, not issue, but he has a, a checkered pass with his family, and his family has notoriety, just like Lonzo's family has notoriety, has brothers who are powerful, just like Lonzo has brothers who are powerful. Sanji is a dominant fighter when it comes to kicking, and he has a keen sense of observation, which is his way that he views the battlefield and is able to dodge things, just like Lonzo has an an extremely acute ability to pinpoint pass and playmake. The way Sanji can dodge attacks is very similar to the way Lonzo can loop around and throw a uh, full-court alley-oop. Both have deficiencies. Sanji can't say no to a woman and will never hit a woman and can't say no to 
their his desires as a man. Lonzo Ball, Roof can't say no to not being able to drive to the basket. Those are their similarities and their deficiencies. And let me just do a side note. I don't think it's okay to hit, hit any woman that's just in the anime. That's other people in the show hit women, and he's one that abstains for that. Just want to make that clarification real quick. But Lonzo Ball is Sanji Vinsmoke from One Piece. The next character I have in comparison has to, has to be my guy, Nikhail Alexander Walker. Nikhail Alexander Walker is Alphonse Elric from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Both have an, ex an extremely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Both have an ability to create playmaking-wise, just like Alphonse has an ability to create through his alchemy, because his powers is through alchemy. Uh, Alphonse has a lot of potential in his series. A lot of people expect great things from him, just like the Pelicans fan base expects great things from Nikhil. But both have their flaws. Alphonse is trapped inside of this metal suit of armor. His soul is, just like Nikhil Alexander-Walker has issues with turnover and forgetting his assignments on the defensive end. But both can correct their deficiencies as they grow in either the season or as Alphonse grows in his shows. But both show extreme, extreme amounts of potential. And quite frankly, Nikhil Alexander-Walker's performance at rookie at the uh, Rookie Showcase, where he was singing, is very similar to Alphonse being the life of the show at Full Metal Alchemist. So uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Alphonse Elric. Jackson Hayes is next. He reminds me of Choji from Naruto. Choji's growth from Naruto to Naruto Shippuden is just like Jackson Hayes' growth from year one to year two. Tremendous leaps and bounds. Both had moments where you're like, man, this guy is special. Then both have moments like, do we really want him on this team? Jackson soars through the air with monstrous dunks, just like Choji soars through the air with his gigantification butterfly powers. And if you know Naruto, you know what I'm saying. Jackson Hayes, Choji. And the final player I have is Kyra Lewis Jr., the rookie with so much promise, speed, quickness, and with the right training can be powerful, loves competition, is just an all-around good guy. To me, that screams luck from the anime Black Clover, who is one of the fastest people in his universe, but their personalities align, and they are the ones that he is the comparison for Kyra Lewis Jr. And like I said, I didn't do everyone, but I gave you majority of the team. And look, if you enjoyed this segment, I promise you, you can tweet at me. And uh, if you have questions of who Willie Hernan Gomez is, we can talk it out. And, and shout out to my guy, Willie. But that's all the time I have for today. My name is Lyndon Burton. You can follow me at LynnBWT on Twitter. And if you enjoyed any of the things I've said or if you want to learn more about the type of content I produce, go check out the Bros Who Think Network wherever you get your podcasts or, or on YouTube. Like I said, we have a pop culture show, commentary show, where we talk about uh, all the things relevant in pop culture, whether that's music, some politics, we don't really like to get into it, relationship issues, things on Twitter, the stuff that's really driving the, narr the narrative in the zeitgeist. That's called the Bros Who Think podcast. We also have a movie podcast, which Jake has been on, called Bros Who Binge, where we review the latest movies and TV shows. We discuss the latest movie news and trailers, and then we have discussions brought to you by the fans. And if you love this anime conversation, I host a show called Hashtag Anime Talk. All of that and more you can find at the Bros Who Think Network. But... Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who listened to this. I hope you enjoyed it, and until next time, have a good one.
Peace.